Okay. Okay. So here is the uh, kind of original ranking I did with Will D. Oh, sorry, not Will D. Never Will D. It was uh, Will M. I did this original ranking with Will M, but it, it, the video, like, like the audio, social media pickup was like fucked. So we had to change platforms like twice, three times. And then by the end of it, we just took way too long. Because it's only like nine movies, right? Ten if you if you count Kill Bills too. So t- ten movies. Um. Yeah, I just uh, I'm gonna what, reset these. How do I reset them? Can you reset them? You can reset them. Uh, shit. I'm I'm gonna put them on the question mark bin. Um, and then redo this. Put them all because will 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 M and I disagreed on a number of fine points and finer points let's say and uh i just i don't know i want i think i can do this pretty quickly if i just because it took us over an hour to do it and the in like the last half of it was like at least 45 minutes it, it was onerous and um i don't think it has to be onerous i know my opinions on all these movies and at least i've seen all of them i mean there are some like other videos I've been doing on um, where I tier rank like David Cronenberg or tier rank David Lynch or I tier rank, you know, the directorial films of like Woody Allen, let's say. Like these these guys are more like enigmatic than Tar- even Tarantino because Tarantino is relatively enigmatic, but these guys are, you know, further in the paint. And the... um. You know, I haven't seen like a third of the film sometimes, so you you really can't do the tier ranking. Um, and then sometimes if maybe I've seen a third, but I just don't have the energy to sort of like, you know, like delve into like the, the nuances of every odd movie, or they just made so many fucking movies that you just don't want to talk about them. You don't have the time, you don't have the energy, or you don't don't on that particular day. But with Tarantino, he's only made 10 films, and I've, they're very watchable. They're all good. That's the other thing. Tarantino is the only director where it's like every movie he's made is good. I will I will give him that credit. Because even David Lynch has like a bad movie. Cronenberg has a number of sort of bad movies. Uh, David Cronenberg. Uh, Brian De Palma has a few movies that are hard to appreciate. Now, that could be good in, in a way. But it's also not good because you can make like five brilliant films, but if you make five sucker films, then you're not going to be known as this great director. You're going to be known as an inconsistent director who has made great films. So you do want to be like a perfectionist if you if you can get away with it and not shoot yourself in the head. Anyway, up next, uh, let's do these in no particular order, no necessary uh, pattern for delineating primacy. Um, I would say death proof is an easy C. Um, I call it D. I feel like this film, and if I'm going to call it D, I could even go lower, really. But 
Tarantino is good enough that won't go lower than D. I think this film um, is almost... It kind of could have been a lot better. And it could have been better for a few reasons. One of them is that it was part of the Grindhouse double feature with Robert Rodriguez is since our uh, Planet Terror. And Clint Tarantino's acted in From Dusk Till Dawn, which is also a Robert Rodriguez film, a directorial film. I think Tarantino didn't really know how to like compliment Planet Terror with his own movie. Um, and in a in sense, I don't think I just I th in a sense, I felt like he didn't want to compete with him too severely and try to, out, you know, uh, show him up in the double feature circumstance. So while Death Proof is sort of a weak film, you know, it has this tedious sort of um, conniving pop plot line. Um, it's, it's, uh, the setup is really kind of funny, but then the execution is, is sort of cheesy and there's all these different girls saying all, all sorts of similar versions of the same ball of wax. And the villain is kind of like, um, a bad guy for sure, but it's like a generic sort of human bad guy that's sort of implausible. And, um, I just feel like the film was kind of. Um, trying too hard to represent an era that was very bygone, even in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Uh, and then the, the Kurt Russell is great, but like, I don't know. I just felt, you know, I don't think it's hard to dislike Kurt Russell, but. And the actresses are all pretty good in it too, but I just felt like the, the it was kind of wooden dialogue, and, and the, the there wasn't really a story to the plot. The plot could have been worse, but it wasn't great, and the story was just terrible. And then the act the the, the dialogue was kind of cheap, so D for just kind of lacking lacking um well roundedness. Um, and I admit that was kind of the premise of making a, a grindhouse, quote unquote, film. But you know, if there there were good films from those grindhouse days. That like, but part of the reason why they got away with being not so good was because the fucking the quality of the cinema was lower. They were cheaper. They were everything was lower, less professional. That's why they. That's why it was okay for them to be shoddy. And then sometimes they were good. So even then you could have made a better one. But I get it. I get it that it was like a fucking homage. So it really doesn't matter all that much in a sense to the general public. But the, the movie going public definitely liked this next one, which is Kill Bill. Kill Bill. Um, I think volume one. I felt like Kill Bill volume one was kind of like a C it was really slow on the take. The uh, the best part of it was probably when she fights all the Japanese, you know, mob yakuza, you know, you know, masked yakuza fighters in the in the in the in the, the, the dinner, the you know, the the dining house, the restaurant. I don't know what it was in proper language, but she it was like a multi-stored like eater, like you know. 
a eatery. Um, and she fought her way to the top and killed everyone, including the the, 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 the very attractive girl with the uh, the morning star flail. And uh, who got whose name was like Uki or Spooky or Yuki or Gooky or whatever it was. She got hit. She got like merch, and that was funny. And um, Lucy Liu was the villain, and Lucy Liu was a compelling villain. Probably my favorite actress in the film was Lucy Liu. Um, I liked her definitely more than Uma Thurman. Um, and um, yeah, I just thought like Kill Bill one, you know, slow on the take. You know, she wakes up in this fucking hospital bed, and guy tries to like rape her, and says, "My name is Buck, and I like to fuck." And it's a clever sort of retarded line, but I just felt like her whole quest of like you know to like get her sword back and do this or that to like re-earn her confidence and credibility and you know suss out clues to find bill it was like it works in a comic book like a lot of these movies it works great in the comic book but like paying you know when people are going to a fucking movie theater you know paying 10.50 or whatever it was at the time nine dollars you kind of want something with like a little more substance than just some girl running around with a samurai sword in different, you know, in the four corners of the earth, like searching for like an old man to fucking murder. It's like really fucking lame story. Um, but the plot was good. I mean, the, the, the stuff she had to do to track him down was it was excellent, but just like or it was like fairly decent um, and, and it was cohesive, which I equate with you know some sort of generic excellence but i just don't think the 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 story like was that was that fun um and and the plot was sort of ended up being kind of a secondary um excellence because just the story wasn't that good uh, having secondary excellence if that even is cogent anyway uh do 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 up next is let's say go with Reservoir Dogs. I always like this one. This one to me is an A. Um, it's a little too drab for an S. It's obviously a very low budget film. I think it was like a million dollars at max. And there's some pretty like talented actors, reputable actors working in this film. I mean, really, you got like at least three who I would who have four. You have at least four. Four actors, Michael Masden, uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth. And then Quentin Tarantino, you know, is obviously doesn't have to pay, isn't going to pay himself to be in it. But those first four, I would expect like top billing in a lot of films. Those are those are lead actors in, in a lot of films. But in this movie, they didn't get paid that much, I guess. Who knows? Uh, who else was in it? Someone else was probably in it. I forget. Mr. Mr. White? I don't know. Someone else was in it that was probably worth paying a lot. It didn't happen. Don't worry about it. Reservoir Dogs is is a, a good movie. Um, in every way. Great music. Um, very interesting selection of music. A lot of it's retro. There's this, there's this pulsing radio presence. I mean, it's not like club music pulsing, but it's just, you really, there's a vitality, a vibrance 
to the fact that the radio is often in the background, or there's always some kind of music playing, or at least, especially in that chain, that that, that massacre scene where he tortures the guy, uh, the cop, and he plays like, like goofy, like rock, old rock and roll music from the what the sixties, fifties, something really old, like surf rock sounding music. I forget what it was exactly. Michael Madsen does really well in this film, as does uh, Harvey Cartel and Tim Roth, especially. And of course, Steve Buscemi is pretty good. They're all good, and Quinn Tarantino is fine. You know, they're all kind of okay. Um, Mr. Red. Was there even a Mr. Red? I guess there was a Mr. Green. Anyway, uh, the dialogue is very good, at least at first. I think it kind of gets a little... Oh, Chris Penn. That's the other one. There's a lot of, a lot of you know, big-ticket actors. But uh, anyway, these guys, you know... I'm starting to think like Ernst Bornine was in it too. I mean, who really who was in Reservoir Dogs? Who is the really old guy? Lawrence Tierney. Okay, Edward Bunker. Okay, whatever. No one like extremely famous. But famous enough. I don't know. Why is it not S working? Hey, why is it not B worthy? I mean, it's it's not a movie I like to rewatch a ton, but then again, I'll, I've rewatched it at least once, maybe twice. Which is to say that it's 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 not like a, a B level movie that you only see once. It's definitely A, but it's a little bit of like a sort of annoying film in a way. Like it didn't feel like the. Uh, the story was that good. The plot was really good. Oh, sorry, no, this, this, that's not what I meant. It's the opposite of Kill Bill. With Kill Bill, the, the story is dumb, but the plot is really good. Whereas in this film, the the story is cool, but the plot is it's like so it's kind of meat and potatoesy. Um, it's still serviceable. It just isn't like. It's not as interesting as like Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. It, Pulp Fiction is sort of a combination of the best to Kill Bill and Reservoir Dogs. Um, that said, you would think that Pulp Fiction was in between them chronologically, but actually, uh, you have Jackie Brown in there as well. And to compare Reservoir Dogs with Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs has some has a lot of newer talent. Jackie Brown has Pam Greer in there. Um, but apparently Pam Greer was going to be someone else, but for budgetary reasons, they got Pam Greer, who was in Foxy Brown, such a veteran of black exploitation style films. And she's actually really good in this, despite being kind of a, like not, not very engaging actress. It, it just really, it really works for her character. Um, and Reservoir Dogs, none of the characters really have like, I mean, Chris Penn was probably the closest as it gets, but none of the characters in Reservoir Dogs have like have anything but gimmicks for their personalities. They have to be these sort of you know degenerate goofballs in order to like get your attention, and that necessitates some pretty clever dialogue. But at the same time, um, I think I think the dialogue it, it becomes less and less pertinent to the to the plot. Because the as the plot develops, and then, which means that you just kind of have a lot of like charming lyricism, lyricism, 
for like half the film and by the time you get past the second act the you know the 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 midpoint by the time you get past the, like the midpoint you're just it's a lot of like um you know people talking it's all emotional all of a sudden and just it's not very charming and it's it's intense and it works in in a, on a moment by moment basis but you're kind of left wondering like why it ever mattered in the first place because it wasn't really great exposition to the characters there wasn't really um impressive uh character dynamic um that was the the, the dynamics developed and so you you are left feeling like big fucking deal the only thing that makes you really sympathize with the characters and it, it to be fair it is effective at least on the first go around is that and I can admit the second go around was good too is that the violence and the fucking blood the blood loss that these characters are are, are uh, stricken with it really makes you kind of simp to them because you're like oh man this guy's gonna bleed out and die and Tarantino pushes that button every fucking chance he gets and it, and it works to a point and then after a while you're like are, are they all gonna bleed out and die like is it just some kind of like grotesque like where where is the actual you know where is the actual like stakes in in in, in, in like a fucking realistic context not just them all just blowing their heads off and pretending like that's normal so there is the, the bloodbath element sorts kind of gets it's fun for a while but then it gets hoisted by its own petard um and i do think that in later movies that's less of a concern because they i think the character development's a lot better in the later movies in this movie they all the most of the character development is like comprised of like flashbacks or like a scene where they all talk about bullshit at a diner or like you know them just sort of yammering at each other after the heist goes awry like there isn't a lot of you know character building dynamic building that isn't comprised of like toxic masculinity that's sort of obliquely directed at this and that character other this and that person by one guy or another it really like the the social the sociability of the film just sort of failed um but it's it sort of it's sort of compensated by this amplification of you know blood sports and that's kind of why this film is an a or sorry is an s but the reason it's a is because even though it, it has these stark limitations it's still a pretty ingenious sort of original film that's using old style styles combining them in a way that sort of hasn't been done and it just kind of sings true especially for the for the year it was made it was like early 90s like 91 right so basically the 80s so um yeah it's it's definitely a brilliant film now jackie brown is a lot more complex than that and the jackie brown was the movie he made after he made pulp fiction and jackie brown for me is an s and you know on that same note i think pulp fiction is also an s um and he made reservoir dogs as his first his debut tarantino then did pulp fiction as a sophomore and then jackie brown is sort of the, the tertiary kind of low-key film that is probably his least appreciated film to date um most people haven't seen this film who have seen most of his films um it's just a, i think that's just sort of how it's worked out uh and the reason i think jackie brown isn't as successful is let's be fair it's got two black lead actors um and, and samuel jackson pam greer 
and they're both very aggressive. Well, it was the same with Jackson. Is Pam Greer is more of stern, more stern than aggressive, but they're both kind of masculine. You know, they take charge of their business and life. It's not really a sight for every, every you know white bread person to want to see. But it, if you put aside the racial sort of um, prejudicial thoughts, these characters are very effective accomplishing what they need to do as agents in this film. The, the story is fairly relatable. It's not a brilliant story, but it's a fucking slightly charming one. And the plot is really good. Um, the uh, Robert De Niro character is, is definitely a sign that it's a really good movie. Um, does it, it doesn't mean it is, but in this in the early in the nineties, kind of was still a sign. And in fact, I think it works. I think Robert De Niro, um, his character is probably the most interesting character in it, even if he's a side, even if he's you know like a, the deuteragonist to the villain. He's not really a, a, a primary or secondary character. He's he's the sub character to the villain who's already secondary. But even still, Robert De Niro's character is very well well portrayed and pretty well written. Um, Max Cherry, I forget the actor's name, he does Max Cherry, but, but the fact that I know his character, his name is, it says everything. Max Cherry's character, kind of subtle, kind of, kind of a brilliant uh, portrayal of a, of, of, of a cast of character that isn't really seen a lot. And portrayal is pretty darn good. He looks a little like Adam Carolla, but whatever, it works for the film. You know, Adam Carolla probably could have done it too, but if he were older. But this old Adam Carolla lookalike does a pretty good job at playing kind of the straight guy. But then the straight guy character uh, has tricks up his sleeve. Um, and there's some other people. I think Patrick Wilson might be in it I forget, as, a, as the FBI agent. I forget the whole lineup. Uh, Chris Tucker is in it fairly briefly, but he's in it. And he's 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 um and he's a he's a good draw to the film. I think. Uh, I don't know if he was in the previews, but if he were in the previews, it would have made sense. Uh, this this film rambles. That's why I'm rambling. This film rambles, and it's 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 um, intelligent. And for a long time, I'd only I hadn't known this world. I'd only known Pulp Fiction. The Pulp Fiction is the movie everyone's seen. It's one of the first Tarantino movies for most people, for a lot of people. And Pulp Fiction. My big problem with Pulp Fiction isn't that is that the movie ended. It's like, wow, you make this entire world and then it just ends. And I was sort of lingering for something, uh, longing for something, and the movie felt lingering. And then eventually it came around to Jackie Brown years later, and Jackie Brown was the same world. In fact, I think it literally is the same world in the sense that they had the same chain restaurants and different sort of character names were dropped. The world is supposed to be the same fictional world. Um, and even though you don't notice it, except for the fact that they're both look like Los Angeles. Uh, so that was really appealing to me that Jackie Brown was almost like a sequel, Pulp Fiction. And I think Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown are the best things that Tarantino has ever done. Um, now why Pulp Fiction is an S, I should probably say, you know, Bruce Willis character was always awkward for me, but it turns out from interviews of Bruce Willis, um, wanted it to be uh, the John Travolta character, but Tarantino was very adamant that it had to be John Travolta. So Bruce Willis was somehow rearranged to be the boxer who was part of a sort of a second act to the film. 
And Tarant- it didn't even occur to Tarantino f- until like a little while after deliberating with Willis that he could do that role. And he decided, okay, I'll do it. So it was sort of like this lark that Tarantino hadn't even immediately considered. And he does it, and he gets he's a big ticket actor, probably one of the biggest. And international audiences eat up the film because they they love seeing Bruce Willis in you know Asia or wherever Brazil I don't know Middle East right Europe they like seeing Bruce Willis in films and despite my un, me not really liking Bruce Willis in the film I can see how it works so well for the film's overall success in as 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 a as an iconic movie um, as a transcendent international film that did win Tarantino the best screenwriting original screenplay oscar and um i also like you know i'm a sucker for the john travolta character i think the john travolta character is the best character the best cast the best actor playing him um the whole you know killing the gimp with a samurai sword scene was pretty funny um uh that's probably the most memorable visually memorable <laughs> scene in the film uh, maybe the dance scene was a little bit more than that, the coke scene or whatever the overdose the od scene heroin is like china white right very uma thurman's obviously really kind of good in it um and then she goes on the kill bill and then she's it, she deserves some some sort of you know second life in a, in a tarantino film after her portrayal in pulp fiction i didn't really get the whole you know Marcellus Wallace thing, but yeah, that, he was a little bit of a fucking. Uh, they make him act like he's so tough and shit, but I don't know. He, I don't know. I feel like at some point, if, if, maybe I'm just crazy, but I feel like Marcellus Wallace in real life would have just been killed. But maybe that's just like you know. Maybe 30 years ago, it was a different world. But the way he acted in that film, like you'd think that one of the characters would just got fed up with his bullshit and ended up killing him. Because uh, he just jerked people around too much. But I don't know. And obviously, Samuel L. Jackson's really hilarious in the movie. Everyone's good, even Harvey Keitel, who's only in it, and Quentin Tarantino, only in it for like two minutes. And that diner scene with Tim Roth and, the, and his girlfriend, it's fucking epic. And, uh, you know, every, and the whole shootout, and need I say more? I mean, the shootout with the fucking Big Kahuna Burger, and the, and the Bible quotes, and Valley of Death. It's all very uh, classic at this point. Need I say more, right? Okay, up next is Inglorious Bastards. I think this is like an A or a B. I mean, when I first saw it, I thought it was really riveting and complex and charming and intelligent. Kind of up, up, it kind of like, you know, slammed on the scales for me. It was, it was a heavyweight. In hindsight, I think I was just sort of like hadn't seen a movie where they just blatantly murder Hitler before, so I just was like wowed by the fact that they had the gumption to showcase that. Um, 
it could be an S. I think it's an A+. Plus. The reason it's not an S is that the sociology of Europe was sort of downplayed a lot for the sake of kind of like this sort of American wartime pride that was pretty insipid. Um, but however, but, but the Christoph Waltz character was really sneaky and snake-like. And you, you kind of feel like that type of person was true to life. And at the same time, the Aldo Rain character was a little like that, but it was also kind of strange. And the Brad Pitt's acting wasn't super convincing. Um, I don't know. I like the espionage stuff more than the actual, like, you know, running around the woods with the Thompsons and, you know, carbines and whatnot. I just feel like they could have made it a good movie if they just did the espionage side. But then when they had this whole, like, death squad running around killing SS officers and whatever it was, and then shooting Hitler in the movie theater, and then, what, it was, was it the movie theater? I think it was a movie theater. Shooting him in the movie theater. Doing that was just kind of like, it's a bit over the top for like my cup of tea. However, the the, the whole thing with like the title cards for different scenes and the and when they had captions showing the different names of the of the historical personalities, that was really fun. Just that they would even care to just throw those in for like you know a split second. That was really fun. Five seconds, I don't know. Whatever it was. And, um... Obviously all the costumes and, and language changes and, you know, the whole all the anecdotes about World War II and the Holocaust and stuff were pretty compelling. And um, the, the movie had, like, an intriguing atmosphere. So in a lot of ways, it was a huge success. But I just felt like got kind of ham-fisted with sort of the limited appreciation for the sociology of that war and the, the meaningfulness of that war in the European context. Also, there was no Soviet sort of perspective on the whole thing. Um, they really were going for like sort of kind of like a, a dude bro interpretation of World War II with, with some nerdy kind of, you know, concessions. But overall, it was sort of superficial um i still liked it more than like some some other world war ii movies it's, it wasn't like the worst world war ii movie it was good it's just i could i could feel myself sort of you know writhing over certain select disappointments that haven't really ever been addressed in a public forum but uh maybe tarantino one day will be available for interview where I can, you know, get to the bottom of it. Okay, The Hateful Eight. Um, Hateful Eight. Uh, this is one of this is an S for me. I felt like this film was his only true western. I had this whole thing about Django Unchained did not being a Western in the true sense because it takes place in like the Deep South, which is not the Wild West. Um, I think most people would find that to be kind of like hogwash, but it's just sort of uh, a continuity point for me. It doesn't the setting just doesn't re resemble the Wild West most of the time. 
Um, it just doesn't. Uh, it looks like Gone with the Wind, but it doesn't look like the Wild West. Unless he's literally, you know, out in wherever he was. And I think he did go out west in certain sequences, but Django did. And, and, and the dentist. Um, but uh, Hateful Eight, maybe I should... Uh, hey, well, Hateful Eight, let's just do Hateful Eight. Um, I like that it was set up like a play. And it, it felt like it could have been a play. It was just, it was, it was just the movie that's probably the most intelligently written in terms of it, a bunch of different characters saying different things all at once. Um, even more than that opening scene in Reservoir Dogs or the opening scene in Pulp Fiction. Well, the, the, where it's, well in both cases, they're kind of, you know, it revolves around food, doesn't it? But in this one, it doesn't revolve around food. And they're just sort of yammering at each other in these fucking folksy accents and these old time sort of slang and references, illusions and um, references to war and the travail of, of man and just very kind of grim stuff. And it, it, it's not like you couldn't rewrite it and make it better, but it was at the time as, as good as I could get for a sort of play like closed set film. And at the same time, the budget was really high, and it had a great production value. So it was the best of both worlds. Um, was the ending maybe quite a bit over the top for my taste? I think so. Um, but that's, you know, it's like Tarantino in some ways is like Rob Zombie, you know, in some ways. It's just, that's part of the nature of the game is over the top. And if you don't want over the top, they just don't watch. You know, the violence is part of the fun. It's, you know, sad to say, but it just is. And uh, Hateful Eight uh, has some of the best violence I've seen in a movie ever. It's it's it is it is it was such a such a hoot. And even Django Unchained, which has a lot more violence actually, but the violence in Django Unchained is more like a GTA Red Dead Redemption violence. It's not very intelligent. The uh, the the stuff that the characters talk about is usually dumber. Then they're trying to make it sound. The care, the believability of a lot of characters is really, you know, is questionable. Uh, especially the the people who are running various plantations, they just seem sort of like they they're portrayed to be these like clueless idiots. But in real life, I feel like they would maybe be a little more shrewd in many of the instances where they encounter Django or Doctor for the the, the dentist. Christoph Waltz dentist. Um, also, Christoph Waltz's whole getup about being a dentist is like really kind of barbaric. Like, like who the fuck is going to like? You know, who's just? I don't know. I just. I, I mean, I know that there's traveling doctors in the old west, but like a traveling dentist isn't the kind of person anyone would fucking like stop for you know i don't know i just they they, they gave him a layer they were like oh he's pretending to be a dentist and as much as like that could happen as like in like physical reality i don't think it would and i don't and maybe it's just the portrayal by christoph watts Walt, Walt, Christoph Waltz was really not good. I really didn't like his portrayal of the that sort of bounty hunter mock dentist. 
now that's uh, he did have some better scenes when, with his interactions with the plantation owners and various sort of townspeople or whatever. And then the thing that really got me though, I is really two parts is the violence was just so senseless and like gratuitous and not even and those are, are not even strong enough. It wasn't senseless or gratuitous. It was so damn stupid. Like he he just immediately he just shoots everyone and then they don't really put up a good fight and then he just wins because he's quote unquote a bounty hunter. Even like a real gunslinger couldn't get away with the kind of weird shit he was getting away with. It just it was like what it was I get he's and I know that they're trying to make it like the wild bunch where it's like they just show up and win and it's just like that's you know that's the that's what the show is about. But because it was so politically charged with the fucking, you know, racism and slavery and stuff, it did in in the whole like you know, you know, dare I say, some cuckoldry kind of element to it. It just felt like they were really trying to hammer in something that didn't need to be hammered in at all to anyone. And the fact that they played played brutal games with the realism. To do so was just sort of low-key despicable. But I do think if you can just sort of, you know, dis suspend disbelief, it is, a, it is a fun sort of video game romp of a movie. But I can only give it a B because I don't think it was intelligent enough to be an A. I think it was really just trying to be a video game where you go in, like Red Dead Revolver. It just really had no... It didn't at at a certain point after this after a certain layer of believability was burst. The uh, uh, the enjoyment was sort of lessened for me, like for the rest of the film. Um, and uh, the 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 interactions that are supposed to be like authentic and like of the time. I guess if you if you don't know much about history, they seem like that. But if you know more about history, they seem rapidly less authentic. So maybe if I knew less about history broadly, I would probably just like it more. And, you know, as a you know, as a, as a caveat to the whole thing. Up next is the second kid, Kill Bill. Um, I think this is better than the first one. I really quite like the ending, final sequences, the Kill Bill 2. I actually like the whole Kill Bill 2 more, where she hunts down the different uh, betrayers, and they sort of kind of have her, their way with her, and then she um, slips, slips, slips through their hands, their clutches, and, and finds her final revenge on each of them pretty fun it's like a good wuxia film from the 70s just got tons of ridiculous violence that's sort of more of like a dance routine than anything and then she eventually kind of has her way with a swift swift uh act of vengeance and uh there there isn't there isn't justice for all in the film there's justice but there is justice for some and it's a good sort of sh meditation on 
what justice has to involve for it to, you know, bear fruition. That said, a little like Django, though, it's a lot of video game sort of, you know, hack and slash, you know, punch and kick violence that doesn't really need to exist. And as much as I would love to be a teenage boy who wants to just watch that kind of thing for my entire life, I can't be that person, can I? You know, I have to grow up at some point. And the irony is, you know, Tarantino will say the very same things I'm saying. He'll say that about the Marvel, you know, um, creative universe or whatever it is, the MCU. So Tarantino's own wishes against Marvel are somehow my own wishes against the uh, the world he created, which are, which is sort of overwrought with not displays of violence, but just kind of senseless pointless ones. I don't mind if it's like a certain percentage higher than needed. But when it's just like when it when it just resembles like a lower form of media. Like a video game. And I don't mean like every arcade game from the from the eighties or nineties that had some violence. I mean like just bloodbath video games are fucking dumb. Like Dead Rising, like a zombie video game, or Far Cry, like a fucking, you know, tropical island hop video game, or like a fucking Grand Theft Auto 4, where you go around just, you know, smashing cars into people. It's just like, that's the kind of, like, absurdity, demented absurdity that these movies occasionally plunge into. And usually they're smarter than that, but occasionally you're starting to, like, they remind you of those kinds of things. And that's when Tarantino starts to have his lower lowest value in his sort of stock dip, you know, his his stock plunge or whatever, the uh, the chart, the charts, the stock chart, the lowest dip in his lowest plunge and dip in his stock chart. The plunge, the, his stock value plunges to the lowest dip in its chart. Yeah, finally got the state. Um, the last one. Almost at 45 minutes. Pretty good. If I went over an hour, I'd think I spent a little too much time. I could always say some some more. One thing I will say about Death Proof is I do love the idea of having this car do crazy shit, having Kurt Russell or someone just ramrod with it. But I think there was just too many women trying to kill him. Like they maybe should have just had more of like a society going against him they just like rant a bunch of strippers which it, it kind of works at first but the, the doing the whole movie like that is like is like porno stoner brain bullshit um but death proof i don't know i'm starting to think of maybe there's something some a little more charm to it than some of the other sequences in uh django's uh oeuvre sorry not django um Tarantino's oeuvre. Like, even Kill Bill has a lot of stuff where it's, like, rather, you know, just, like, uh, redundant. Okay, uh, up next. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, last time I did this with Will M, pretty sure I gave it S tier. I'm going to knock it lower, just one significant tier level, down to A. Because 
Well, I think it's a brilliant film, and in, in, in every like comp, at every level of composition, with the editing, the cinematography, the sound, music, uh, sorry, the score, the uh, costume, the wardrobe, this you know the the setting, the scenery, it, all that stuff is like just is like tremendous. It's you know creme de la creme, piece de la resistance, you know. Yeah, uh, this movie really was like the coup de gras. Uh, however, uh, he does not have Tarantino does not have carte blanche, and this movie has has a lot of sort of unt untethered hairs dangling at the end of it. You don't really understand enough about the ranch. You kind of want it's not explored enough. And the uh, the celebrity cameos are sort of not frequent enough. There's a lot of like in, in intimations of a certain experience in the film, but they're never really ex you know showcased. Bruce Lee, the Bruce Lee interaction was superficial, if not hilarious, if not also hilarious. It was, but it was also superficial and short lived. And then the interactions with other starlets and, you know, Hollywood glamour types was kind of, you know, minimized. And it just felt like they were trying to make this whole, you know, cinerama display of Hollywood. But they didn't really showcase as much as you would were expecting. And by the time the film was over, you kind of were like reeling over it again. You're like, did I miss something or did I see everything or is there... What kind of details were there? And I think in the end, it was like, there just weren't as many cameos as there could have been. You know, like, you're kind of expecting this, like, what's that movie, This Is the End? Or that that movie about was by Seth Rogen, kind of James Franco movie, the stoner film with all the celebrity cameos. Like, you're kind of expecting that level of, like, representation. Uh, or, or, like, that kind of bulk re representation. But with this, you didn't really get it. And while I, I I liked the film at first because the music was so good, really the music and the and the, the wardrobe, those two and cars, I guess too. But mostly the just the, the the graphic design kind of and music of everything in the film was it was just like uh it was it was it was like a wet dream really. It was just so lush. But then I was like you know. As much as I am a big fan of cream and vanilla fudge, and the the fight scene where they play, you keep me hanging on, and he kicks the girl in the face and throws a knife at her, and the dog bites the dude's testicles or whatever happens, I forget. You know, all that stuff is 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 wonderful. The fight, you know, the the fight scene in the pool was funny. All that stuff is pretty welcome, but like, I think I don't think that there was a, as much payoff. And I also think, as 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 anticipated, and I also think there could have been just more Los Angeles chatter that would, and less sort of like glamour shots of Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, and more like insight into Hollywood from the late '60s, which was a pivotal time in Hollywood and a time that should be remembered. And I kind of think Tarantino was writing a love letter, but it was a weird kind of like glossed over love letter. 
or sorry, it was a love letter that weirdly glossed over some of the intricacies of that era. And I, I can't get into it right now, but I, I'll just keep in mind that there was like, you know, there were a lot of like bands that were playing in the in the 60s that were you know, like the Doors or Led Zeppelin, and they weren't in the film in any sort of significant suggestion, uh, intimation. Um, but they could have been. It wouldn't even be that, that it, it's not even like, like a like a hard day's night where i mean it's not even like it's it's not it's uh it's obvious that they should be in it you know it's not even like a, a hard suggestion to make but for some reason like that sort of stardom was was sort of removed like all the all these things oh there's a lot of stuff that was like also like um it was a little too into the whole movie business side of hollywood and less into the culture and general side of hollywood and the other thing was, um, um, you know, Tarantino is coming out with a film, his last film, allegedly, where it's uh, about a film critic who's about 35 years old. Well, that's fitting for me because I'm kind of, I'm approaching 30 and I'm, you know, basically a film critic at this point. At least I have been for the last 50 minutes. And... Um, Actually, I've been doing these, you know, for the last three hours, four hours. So I've been doing a number of film criticism stuff today. But I don't necessarily think this movie will be about me, but it will be about an element of myself, which is a critical-minded filmgoer who cares deeply about cinema and is passionate about culture in general. And I think there's something ironic that, as Tarantino seems to appreciate my personality more, He's obviously making a film about the personality of a film critic, broadly speaking. I'm starting kind of veering into appreciating his personality less. And maybe that's just the shape of things in the stars. Or maybe um, I am just sort of attacking him because I'm, I'm annoyed that he's making a fucking movie about a film critic who's 35. And I'm kind of just like... Is it really that interesting? I don't want to navel gaze that much. Does he? Who knows? Anyway, it's been 50 minutes. I think that's enough of your time. If you bother to even watch it that much. Um, I hope you respect my decisions. I know that some of these movies, you'll be surprised, are placed where they're placed. But I think you'll be you'll admit that Django Unchained and Kill Bill 2 are kind of mid- Kill Bill 1 is a little beneath that. Death Proof is probably the worst. Above average, you have Reservoir Dogs, Jake and Glorious Bastards, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And at the supreme level, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, and Hateful Eight. Really, they're all good movies. I would I would take any of these movies over, you know, all the movies probably by David Cronenberg. And I like David Cronenberg. I, I, I will watch his movies. I think Tarantino is probably the best director that we've had and probably the best director that we deserve in the last 20 years so without further ado ta-ta for now cheerio take it easy fellas good night and good luck good night and good luck luck luck